Scotty, we're going to get into battle of, of who's ready and who's not ready now? Well, uh, John, there is no battle to have. I was ready yesterday, and you've taken you 24 <laughs> hours, so I win this one. That is a, yeah, you been, a, a no-brainer. I, please tell me that, that you've been waiting patiently by the phone for the last 24-plus hours. Not only have I been waiting patiently, John, I, uh, I have had to move my office in the last few days into my loft. Um, mm. So not only have I been waiting, I've been in my loft waiting for you um, for uh, the last 24 hours. It's currently quite warm here. It's, it's about uh, 30 degrees, what's that, around 90 Fahrenheit, I guess. It's, it's fairly warm up here. I mean, I'm sacrificing myself for the cause. I've just turned off my fan because we don't know what air conditioning is in the UK. Um, to be able to record this and yeah i've been sat up here a long long time john just waiting for you so all i can say is you better have something good today otherwise um yeah well scotty have you ever had a sinking feeling that you are awaiting for a long-running process to finish that never will and doesn't care to even return at in, in anything neither data nor era um no more than once or twice an hour Oh, okay. Well, that, that's kind of that's kind of the theme. So um, we are working on, uh, you know, adopting, uh, basically, you know, making the transition. So we're dropping support for iOS uh, 15, and uh, which means that there are some API changes that 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 exist, which are for the better. But, you know, when you go and decide to, to change the release target for an Xcode project, as you know, hilarity ensues. Um, and I was away last week. I was in working from New York, as, as you know. Um, and I got some messages saying, hey, how do I test this specific code? And the, the code in question was for uh, generating a video story for Instagram stories. Um, and there was a canvas, which we've retired. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't successful enough over the long run, but it was uh, this thing called uh, Fast Laughs, which was a vertical feed of videos. And it was great, and I loved it, but um, it, it, it didn't, 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 didn't deliver on the return. And, and we are kind of one uh, company to basically say, if this experiment doesn't work, don't, don't maintain it. Find something else. Find something better, even if it's been productized. But the reason all that background is, is that was the one place we, where we were preparing video to be able to generating video using AV Foundation. AV Foundation has been around for a long time. It's great. It has a long tail. It's it's it it it's tricky to use, but it is very very complete. And one of the the foundational aspects of it is you know dealing with time. And one of the other things that that's necessary is oftentimes you need to know how long does something last, <laughs> like how long is this video clip, for example. Um, and so one of the things that the, one of the APIs that exists, which has changed in iOS 16, and I did not know this, is that the API for getting the duration in seconds for an AP, sorry, an AV asset uh, used to be a, uh, a synchronous API. You would just ask for it. And, and the assumption being, I guess, is that if you already have the AV asset, you've already loaded it. And if you've already loaded it, you at least have the video editor, uh, header. You're not going to fetch all the bits, but you're going to know how long it is because that's what information is in there. But now they've changed it to using async await. 
which then changes that calling pattern, you know, that, that you would use. Because if that's asynchronous, then it kind of changes everything in how you might use it. Because you can imagine a sequence where you load a video asset, maybe go load uh, some images that may also require asynchronous request. And you can't really finish the composition until you have all the the, the things. It's the equivalent of cooking with mise en place. You got to get all that stuff all prepared and then you can make your dish. So kind of pulling on that one thread brought a bunch of stuff into question. And I was pinged by my colleague saying, how do I test this? And, you know, at first I didn't understand what he was asking. I said, dude, yeah, first step zero, install Instagram on your phone. I think what he, he really meant was like, was there, were there tests for, for testing the video composition absent kind of running through the app? And the answer was no, because I'm a terrible person. Um, uh, but anyway, that, so that was the theme because now I'm thinking about, you know, it, it, over time I've been rewriting a lot of code um, to take advantage of new APIs related to async. And um, this is the discussion I would like to have with you since you are smart um, and, and understanding the difference between dispatch groups and async await because I'm not certain I understand it myself. If I do understand vaguely is that one is under the tree of combine, which is, I think, trying to be combined, sent through a, uh, like a combine, like, 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 like exists in the East Bollockshire war to be ground into pieces and dispatched somewhere because Apple doesn't want it anymore. And they're pushing everybody to async await. So, Scotty, what can you tell me? Well, I, I, I'm someone out there will be really technical and give the proper answer. But, you know, basically... It's, uh, you know, I don't, I mean, I've been using async await a lot recently in Swift stuff. You can't really use it if you're trying to interoperate with Objective-C for reasons. Um, but re really, it's, you know, for me, you know, when you put a task in, task task is the key to me to async await, and task is exactly the same conceptually under the hood, maybe doing different things. It's using, you know, dispatchq.global.async and creating something that's going to go off and do something on a background thread. Now, obviously, you know, in the past, if you then wanted to do something else that was going to do something on the background thread, you'd have to have a callback handler or whatever or something, and you would end up with lots and lots of, you know, you know uh, results, completion blocks within completion blocks within completion blocks, whereas simply, you know, within that task... You know, and a method as marked as async await will run synchronously because it knows it's already in an asynchronous sort of a uh, box. Um, now, how that is achieving that under the hood, I don't know. But really, it's a case of, um, you know, you write it to work that way or you don't use it that way. Mixing, I find mixing the old way and the new way, even though they may have lots of um, technical similarities or even implementation under the hood, can get confusing and, and not really work, uh, and it doesn't like it. So, yeah, it's yeah. I, I've used async await a lot, but I use async await a lot in basically in new code where everything is going that route. I often find myself if I'm in old asynchronous code, maintaining the old way of doing it because I can get myself a little bit confused, maybe because I'm stupid, um, or I find there are some <laughs> issues, you know, from doing it. Uh, in there, I think. I think. Yeah. So basically, yeah. That doesn't answer your question, but what it says to me is, from my experience, you know, I, I mixing doesn't seem to work to me. You go one way or the other, and you know, write a task and then call everything that you've marked as async await, obviously, which might be 
something from the frameworks you're using now because you're going to iOS 16. And it just gives you basically a nice way of running lots of asynchronous code within one asynchronous box, effectively, where everything else within the box looks like and runs like it's synchronous. That that actually is a is a great explanation, and also makes sense. You know, if if I could go a little bit far afield, like in the ancient ways, I mean, we're talking about like five years ago before this stuff was available. I mean, there was NS operation, which I loved, and we used a lot. Um, and that was a way of, of of thinking about it. And you could just spin up a bunch of tasks, and and everything has a completion. So, you you when you when you do that, you kind of have to have some class, some object, some something that is acting as a type of orchestrator. It's like, okay, I will keep track of all the tasks that I'm running, and when I have no more tasks left, you know, unless an error has been raised that is you know, fatal, which means I can't do anything when all the tasks are complete, the assumption can be that you can, you know, have all the data that you want. So let's say that you have to fetch two or three images or whatever, you could, you know, hold, you could spin up a bunch of tasks for doing it. And as you get back the images, as long as there's no error, you basically can set that on this orchestrating class, this conductor conceptually. Uh, and then when all the async tasks are done, then you can kind of finish your work. So you can have one method that basically says, you know, try to complete the task if you can, and that that logic would be basically just say, have I had any error, or have I do I have any task left? If if neither is the case, I can go on. If something is the case, you can keep going, right? And and conceptually, it, it makes sense. You have to think about it. But then what I find is like looking at the code in that particular case, you're looking at any one code block, and you're like saying, okay, I see what this thing is doing but I see these completion handlers and now I'm kind of spinning off looking somewhere else in, in other methods, other functions in the, in the, in the, in that file. And I can't follow it as easily. Whereas async await does really make a whole lot of sense conceptually because you can have one block of code and every asynchronous task you have to, if you do async await, it, it kind of under the hood, it does a bunch of stuff for you. So you can look down the control flow of a, of a single method which you know itself will cause multiple asynchronous tasks to spin up, but you can read top to bottom and see exactly kind of what's happening. You go to ask to do something. If it succeeds, great. If it doesn't, you know you can you can exit. You can exit. But uh, I, I find it very easy to read. And and I think what you said is absolutely insightful. Is like you know if 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 you adapt if you have things working the old way, it's kind of that tempting question is should I make it work the old way and and, and fix some problem with it or introduce some new other thing like fetch another resource and not have to rewrite the entire world or should I rewrite the entire world? And I'm somewhat leaning towards trying to rewrite the entire world. It's not a big deal because still fundamentally you have these asynchronous tasks that have to do these things. There is a common pattern. It's like do this, did it succeed, did it not? And and what di what's, what's different is how you handle the completion of the asynchronous task. Um, so that is, thank you. This is this has been code therapy with Scott. And of course, there are ways of mixing it together. So you know, you can convert your current, um, uh, you can convert your current completion handler based code to async code without rewriting it by using you know uh, continuations. Um, mm -hmm. You know, is, is 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 one way to do it. And of course, you can equally wrap your async code inside a completion handler type of thing as well, where you just call the completion handler from within the task block. So, um, you yeah, know, it, it is mixable. I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't mix it. I'm just saying you need to... And, of course, the thing with async await is, you know, you sometimes, you know, you have to be a little bit careful because it literally does that. It waits. And if you want to run, you know, if you have 10 
calls to synchronous methods, sorry, asynchronous methods inside a task that, uh, you know, where you put you know, call one, call two, call three, they will wait for call one, call two, call three. And if you actually want, you know, call one, call two, and call three to run at the same time, because that's more efficient, you know, that doesn't work for you. So you have to do other things. I mean, you obviously, you, you can have multiple async await calls running at the same time if you code for it. But, you know, it's just just a case about, uh, you know, getting your head around it a little bit and thinking that way. Um, for, no, for people who haven't got, I mean, I've only started using async in a way probably within the last six to nine months. Um, and I know it's been around for a long time now. And I decided to, um, you know, try and get an understanding of this before I started using it. And so I read... Um, uh, our friend Daniel Steinberg's book, hmm. uh, The Curious Case of the Async Cafe. Um, oh, wow. Which is written as a little bit of a sort of like a Poirot-type story of uh, where, where uh, or a Sherlock Holmes where Holmes and Watson keep visiting a cafe and the way their drinks are coming to them or their food is coming to them in a synchronous or asynchronous manner is used as the sort of examples to try and explain concepts and then there's code around it and, and all the rest of it. And it's, you know, I maybe spent a day, day and a half reading this book, following along with the examples, and I found that, you know, I thought, oh, okay. Uh, at the end of it, I thought, actually, that's quite simple. But then it wasn't much longer. A few weeks later, a developer or a client said, oh, I've been doing all this async stuff, and I'm now so confused, and I've been trying to fix this for two days, and I realized, actually, no, that day and a half, I had a lot of understanding by doing that that he didn't by just jumping in and trying to make it to work. So if you haven't got round to doing the async stuff yet and you'd like to sort of understand the concepts of how it fits in and where the right place to use things are and get your head around a bit, I can highly recommend Daniel's book, The Curious Case of the Async Cafe. It's not very expensive in PDF form. Uh, if you buy it from... I think it's available on various bookstores, but if you buy it from, I think it's Gumroad, he'll get the money directly. So I'll put a link in the show notes, but highly recommended. And it's fairly light reading as well. I mean, so I, I know people will say, well, there's because of the story, it's got, you know, there's more fluff. But actually, sometimes the fluff is giving your fluff sounds derogatory, but, you know, the, the, the narrative, the narrative of the story is giving your brain time to digest what you've just had. Whereas if you were just like example, 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 yeah, you keep going on, but they don't necessarily sink in. Anyway, I, I give it a high rating. It worked for me, may not work for others, but Daniel, thank you for your book. I'd much appreciate it. That's great. Fantastic. I will definitely go buy that right away and tell 50,000 of my closest friends on the internet to do the same. You should do that. You should do that. Scotty, how has your week been? John, uh, we were talking about testing and, and the rest of that. John, John, I am falling more and more in love with SwiftUI. I, oh, that's I, very happy to hear. Uh, and not just SwiftUI. This is SwiftUI on the Mac, which mm. has a low more issue. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not writing pure SwiftUI apps. I am still using view controllers. I'm still using uh, AppKit in lots of places. I'm even using storyboards in some places. But I have lots of places where I will use an NS hosting view and stick a Swift UI view in it and pass a few objects and say, right, that's our bit done. Uh, and it is absolutely delightful. And yes, there are one or two 
gotchas when you're mixing the two, but it's not like when, you know, I think the fact that Swift and Objective-C work together at all is amazing, but there are a lot of gotchas when you're trying to use Swift and Objective-C together that you have to be aware of, whereas using AppKit and SwiftUI, yes, there are a few things, but on the whole, you know, it, it's pretty simple. And, you know, it's just the... You know, you were talking about having good test data and whatever else. You know, uh, I, I'm doing some stuff at the moment. It's actually, it's it's just a simple list um, of of, cl- of classes. But you know, the classes are reasonably complicated, and what's going to be displayed for each list, the view can be, you know, quite a few different configurations. And just the very fact that I spent a couple of hours creating some structs, filling them with data, making sure I had. Mm-hmm. A different mm-hmm. type of struct with a different type of data in for all the cases of the way this had to configure, you know, and whatever else. And then I could write the view for it and then I could write the list view for it. Um, I can just go and change a little bit of data in the test data and in the preview in Xcode. I can see that that layout doesn't work for that type and this layout doesn't work for that type. And as long as I'm happy to let SwiftUI do its thing, in other words, you know, I use things like Spacer and say, you sort out what the spacing is as opposed to me saying it must be four pixels you know, or whatever else. It just is such a pleasant way of developing UI. Now, as I've said many, many times on this this program, <laughs> I am not a fan of UI development. Um, and so maybe the reason I love this is because it's just, you know, taking away some of the things I hate about it. And for other people who are fans of UI development are going to say, no, it doesn't give me enough control or whatever it does or whatever else. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm making loads of mistakes. You know, I, I don't think it's necessarily obvious when you first begin with uh, SwiftUI that the order that you put properties on things is makes a, a difference because every time you add a a a property to something you know with a frame or dot padding or whatever else it's actually creating another view and so the next property then operates on that view so the two properties you add if they're in a different order can have different effects and understanding that is quite important but on the whole john i think you know not coming to it but it's what four years old now i don't know three years old uh i can only use it in its barest form though because we're supporting mac os 11 so i can't use any of the flash new stuff i'm just using you know the basic stuff that would have been there if it first for it and it is a pleasure and so i you know i moan about apple a lot i moan about different things a lot but i'm just going to say apple well done you're doing a great great job on this and um yeah of course i'm going to ship this in the wild i'm going to find loads of bugs i'm going to then start cursing about it and call you all the names <laughs> under the sun but at this moment take the joy because <laughs> it is there it's like there's the runners high and there's like the swift ui users high yeah it, you know it it's funny the way you describe it because there I have a colleague who who loves kind of very well thought out, very clean data structures and is is a stickler and, and, and justifiably and understandably and laudably so about, you know, how things are set up and, you know, how things are, are you know, always let and only very afterwards change it to be a var if, if you absolutely must and have exhausted other other possibilities and conformance to protocols and and i think that's great and and you know i think his argument in general when he gives demos is like if you follow this pattern look at all this goodness that that flows through and look how little code you have to do to do that nasty pesky little ui thing and i and i get it that there are you know there's all sorts of engineers 
writers, and there's all sorts of ways of, of kind of finding satisfaction in, in writing code. And some people enjoy the kind of orderly patterns and, and the parsimoniousness with which you can create some things. Um, so you, it's, it's almost like a Japanese aesthetic, no more than is absolutely necessary. But then, you know, UI stuff is very, very messy. It has to be, you know, and all attempts to try and remove the nastiness from it, the edge cases, the dirty little things where rubber meets road or, you know, um, you know some have succeeded very well. Others, you know, and in so many cases and, and people say, oh, my God, this is so easy. I don't even have to think about the UI because conceptual, I just need a list and I need this, this flexibility and this just works and look how little code. I almost had to write no nasty UI code. And then, yes, there are absolutely people who are like, I only like data insofar as I just need some data to put things on the screen. But really what what you know, lights up my heart is seeing beautiful, fluid, interruptible animations and stuff like that. And data is a necessary evil just to get something to, to, to display on screen. And, and, and then I guess there are people who are in between. And I suppose I'm somewhat an in-between person. Um, I appreciate the, the elegance of, of writing as little code as possible. But one th the other thing that you said is which is very important to understand is, is order of operations in, 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 in your declaration makes all the difference in the world. And, and, you know, the first thing I always do when I look at, a, at, at something on screen, it's like, I wonder how they did it. What does the view hierarchy look like? And man, if it's produced with Swift UI, it's like, view, 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 you have like, you know, to, to, to have what looks like it should take two layers to, you know, has 27. <laughs> it's, and I'm, 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 I'm exaggerating, but not entirely. So and we have to be reasonable here and say that, of course, when they did Swift UI, there's they've done stuff with views to make them a lot more lightweight than than they used to be. You don't, you know, it might, if it's using forty seven views, but it doesn't behave like would have happened right. if you'd used forty seven zips to create those views and all the rest no, of it and, to, to to get on the yeah. right. And I think that that's 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 an important distinction as well. Is that I you know I, I don't know whether it's always been there and people don't use it, but I remember kind of I would like have as few views as possible. The reason being is that the more views you have in your hierarchy the more, you know, whether it's a mouse, you know, a cursor going through or looking for key press or so on and so forth, the more it has to listen and wonder which view should should be swallowing the events. And I suppose that you can basically just by turning off, you know, interaction, then all that aspect of a view goes away. You're just talking about this is a little container which has some other things and that's all it is. In which case, yeah, you're right. It doesn't matter, you know, as, as Will Shipley says, you know, or, you know, it's like compilers are fast or processors are fast. The police are fast to come get you. I don't know whether you can hear that in the background or not, but uh, yeah, interesting. Scotty, it is, do you have something it is. else? Do you have something uh, important? Yeah, else well, to talk I'm only about? just going to say that I'm just going to caveat maybe my enjoyment of SwiftUI before anyone at Apple gets too excited at my pleasure. Um, is <laughs> you have to remember that most of the, the you know, uh, Moneywell is a lot about displaying tables of data. Um, in the current Moneywell, almost all of those tables are actually outline views, not just pure tables. Of course, NS outline view is an NS table in. Or is it the other way around? And in in AppKit, can't remember. But you know, it, it's this isn't even like modern table NS table view. This is old, where everything is NS cell. So you know, most of the um, most of the UI rendering and changing things right now in Money, in, in Moneywell is with NS cell and everything being done in DrawRect. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, the, so you know, the fact that I can just uh, put a dot padding or something on something and it all works as opposed to having to try and do the calculation of stuff in a draw rect of what's going to go on and, you know, 
particularly as the one of the things about these views is obviously they try and change their display depending on the width of the thing and make it still look nice. And this is way before, you know, um, uh, even auto layout on this stuff. So, you know, it is like, you know, it, it is like initially not even having a horse. I'd ride my dinosaur and then suddenly, you know, I can have a Tesla or something, I guess. So it's... Uh... It's, uh, uh, it, yeah, but eventually I'll get used to the Tesla and start moaning about it. Scotty, I have a question. I have to ask for permission for something. I, I want to talk about something which I have to, you know, uh, say is, is, is a sad topic, but I think it's, it has to be talked about. And even though it's not technical, I'm going to ask permission to talk about it. May I? Um, John, we're co-hosts. You have as much right to introduce something to this uh, uh, show as I do, and if I don't like it, I just hang up. Okay, all right, that sounds good. <laughs> um, I have talked about in 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 the past how you know I'm very proud of the fact that at, at Netflix we've we've really made programs to 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 bring in new grads and people who are earlier on in their career, and uh, we had a something just uh, very sad happen where a new grad that joined us. Um, uh, it had disappeared, you know, on, on August 14th. And he, you know, I, I only saw him from afar. I, I didn't get a chance to meet him because he had just joined the company and he had disappeared um, back on August 14th. And it was announced yesterday that he was found dead um, and that they, they named it a suicide. Uh, he was found, you know, in, in the San Francisco Bay. And, and he, it is a tragic story under any circumstances, but it is doubly tragic or triply. It's always tragic. But he was just, from all I've read and from his family, his family's from Eritrea, and he had just graduated from Cornell. He was 22 years old. He, it was his dream to come to, to to Silicon Valley, and he was so happy and so proud. And, and as I said, kind of, I, I saw him from, he, he was a very, you know, remarkable-looking person. He, I, I, Eritreans, Ethiopians, Somalis, East Africans in general are, I think, some of the most beautiful people in the world. Like, if you see somebody in, in a room, it's like, oh, my God, who is that stunning person? Um, and and so I, I just noticed him in this this gaggle of new grads, and it was kind of funny. I, at the time, uh, I was sitting with my colleagues, and I was like, oh, my God, the new grads are coming. He's like, new grads over there, old dads over here. So when the news was announced, you know, it was it was basically was this mystery. He had gone up, you know, from from San Jose where he was living and just had had disappeared. And his family came back east. He has a twin brother and a mother and another sibling. You know, who, who I just when I heard about it, my heart just broke at the time. And I, you know, we were all holding out hope. And it was, you know, imagine that that, you know. Hopefully something would happen. Maybe it was just, you know, who knows what happened. Maybe he just, he just that, that, you know, whatever, just kind of went off the grid for an hour or something like that and it would be all okay. But, you know, it was just this mystery. What happened? And then that's when I was just imagining the, the, the mom, you know, and I, I'll post links so people can follow along. But, you know, it's, it's, it was just heartbroken. But, but you know, the, the news was announced yesterday and, and when it was determined that it was suicide, that, that it, it 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 broke my heart, Scotty, because um, because I've had you know one of my closest friends from college took his life, took his life, you know, uh, you know the week after he got married, and to a lovely woman, and I I had been out of touch with him for a while, and then all of a sudden I'd heard from my friends in college like, hey, JJ's getting married. 
you know, this is great, and I didn't know about it. I was I was sad that I wasn't able to be there for for the wedding, and and it just the even double sadness was just that, um, you know, his 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 wife, her son had taken her life, his life, you know, a year prior, and so it just it, it obviously brought up all this stuff. Sorry, it's yeah. okay. You just keep going. Yeah, just that. Uh, I can't wrap my head around how anybody recovers from this, which is why I feel compelled to talk about it. And because I know that you've worked with young kids who are having troubles or whatever, and you have to, you have to be able to, you know, to to learn about this and talk about it. Because it it can't be just something like oh this sad thing happened, because I know that we have this you know regular thing and I that I cherish being able to have this you know stupid podcast that nobody listens to but you know if one person listens or somebody takes the time to understand or think about it or talk about it you just never know how it might change the trajectory of of someone at some point so I'll leave I'll look at the note and I'll be quiet for now. Oh, well firstly John yeah. Um... There's it's not much you can say that that sort of means much when when someone shares that. So I think the, the in many ways the less I say the better, um, and more respectful that is. I think yeah, as, as someone who does work with young people, um, you know, I think yeah, the thing we 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 forget, and and this isn't just for young people. This is just actually people, <laughs> which is what young people are, uh, is that. You know, just because everything looks great doesn't mean it is. Um, where, you know, we look at people and think, you know, how great their life is or whatever else, that, that doesn't mean it is. And so we should never assume that the people around us are okay uh, just because things look good. You know, we, you know we, we need to check in. We need to ask questions. We need to, you know, we need to be caring. We need to show interest in, in people's lives. Um so that so that these things are seen, and then from the other side of the equation, um, you know, I think it's become you know in, in the days of everyone posting on social media about how great their life is and this, this whole thing, you know, we have to realise it's okay to not be okay. Um, it's okay to tell people that you're not okay. Um, that there is nothing wrong with that, and you know, I think if we just all manage to understand and live those two things just a bit more, then it's not going to solve all the problems in the world or any of these situations like this, you know, all these situations like this, but it would solve some. Um, so, John, thanks for, for, for sharing that. And as you say, if your sharing helps one person, even in the tiniest amount of way, to go check on someone or for someone who's not doing great to just go speak to someone or let people know, then as far as I'm concerned, you can talk about it for as long and as often as you like. Thank you, Scotty. I appreciate that. <sighs> I feel better, but it's like it is one of those things that has just, it, it, it hit me so hard yesterday and I, and I just kind of, yeah, I knew that I knew that you would understand Scotty because, you know, we've been doing this for a while and, and um, and I think sometimes, you know, and also maybe I'm channeling Mike Lee a little bit because he's been, he, you know, when he would go to conferences, 
you would be unafraid to talk about things that are difficult topics and to, to, to kind of reveal that, yes, we're, you know, we're all engineers and we like talking about the, the techniques, uh, the technical aspects of how we can control the universe. But, you know, the universe is not technical alone. You know, as, as, as a guy who's a neighbor of mine, and I know that you met him when you, I think when you've been over here, but he has this famous phrase of saying, it's like, life is simple. People are complicated. And that's true. And I think the underlying aspect of that, you know, life being simple in a kind of in the natural world, there is like, you know, life and death happens. <laughs> it is a natural yeah. part of the existence. Um, and it's the, the complexity of people, uh, you know, how they deal with emotions and deal with situations. But, you know, this is supposed to be a non-technical, technical podcast. So, um, uh, something, something I just want to add to this and, um, I, I, again, I'm hopefully it doesn't then distract from the things we've said because the danger is to try and say too many things. Um, is I've spent some time in my life in parts of the world where they, you know, they don't benefit from Western style, you know, medical care or Western style diets or, you know, Western style anything uh, where, you know, there is genuine poverty. And there, for very, very sad reasons, um, death is just a part of life because it's happening all around you all the time. But, you know, and, and that's unacceptable. And in the world, we need to change that. And I'm not promoting that in any way at all. However, what it does do is it it takes away, in many ways, the uh, the taboos of uh, around a lot of things because i think one of the problems that we've we have in the west is we've become so isolated for most of us from serious illness or from you know death or whatever else that we actually don't know how to handle these things anymore um in a way that is healthy and we need to find healthier ways of dealing with these things as opposed to just pretending they don't exist and they're things that happen to other people sadly to other people John, I think we should, well, before we get distracted from that point, well, I think we should leave people with, you know, the sad story of, of the grad um, and our thoughts on that and just give our contact details in case anyone wants to get in touch about it or anything else and then leave that for people to think about. So, John, if people want to just get hold of you and, uh, yeah, thank you for sharing or just share something, where should they do that? Uh, you can find me on um Mastodon, where I'm Jembe at mastodon.social, and that's Jembe, D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. Or you can find me on threads um, as John Fox. And uh, Scotty, where can people talk to you? I am on Mastodon as well, where I am Scotty at developer.social. And we would love to hear from you uh, on any subject, technical or non-technical. Um, yeah, John, I think we should just wrap. Keep it clean and just uh, yeah. say thanks for listening. And until next time. You take care.